Hello, and welcome to the Ivory Tower. My name is Victor Gonzalez, and I'm your host. The Ivory Tower is about education and educators. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we have with us Dr. Raisa White. Hi, Raisa, how are you? I am fabulous. How are you? Good, good, good. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Dr. White, uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself? Uh, What do you do for uh, LA Unified? At the moment, um, I am a K-12 arts specialist. uh, So I specifically work with all the schools in LAUSD in regards to the arts program. I'm specifically the supervisor for the elementary theater department. So I have 50 teachers that I supervise and I work with 518 schools. That sounds like a lot of schools and a lot of people. How do you do it all? Um, Luckily, some advantage was I moved up in the department because I was a classroom teacher to begin. No, actually, I was a substitute first. And then I was noticed by a principal who then was like, you're really good at this. And so I, you know, got all the degrees I needed to get, etc. But I was a classroom teacher. And then I have a musical theater degree. Uh, So I got the opportunity to be one of the itinerant theater teachers. uh, And I worked in the department for 12 years as a, as a theater teacher. So now I am, I run the department I was in. So I have the advantage of really understanding the position from the teacher's perspective. And now I'm outside of it, trying to make sure that it's a well-run program that serves the needs of our students and schools. So um, it's a, it's a big job, but I think I have a good understanding of it because I, I've been so, it was what I did. So it's, I love it. It's fun. <laughs> it is fun. So let's unpack some of what you said just now. For those who may not be familiar about how the arts work in elementary school, when you talk about itinerant teachers, what does that mean? Itinerant teachers are teachers that work at multiple schools. So depending on your schedule, you as a theater teacher or as a dance music uh, instrumental or vocal teacher uh, visit different schools. You can have up to 10 schools in a year. Um, and so you visit a school and teach classes every day at a different school for a semester or two, depending on um, your schedule. So the idea that a school would have a arts teacher doesn't necessarily mean that they'll have a full-time or dedicated arts teacher. Is that right? Uh, We're all full-time, but each school, our goal is to make sure that uh, each school has representation from the arts. So most schools will have at least two um, arts forms provided to their schools um, and teachers teach five classes a day. at that school. So, and we do like nine week rotations. So usually in a semester, they'll teach 10 classes. If you're doing um, the full year, then you're teaching 20 of those classes. And so let's just say I'm at school, you know, 52nd, that was one of the schools I taught at. So I would go to 52nd on Mondays, pretty much all year, because it's a very large school. So they got allotment of um, theater all year, but they also might have the dance teacher for half a year. And they also might have a visual arts teacher for another half of year. 
And in fact, they probably did have a music teacher too because it's such a large school. It's based on the arts equity index and that depends on how many students uh, you have in your school, so. Uh, and you just kind of ran through them, I, I think, but what uh, you mentioned other arts because you are a theater arts teacher by training and you are the theater arts coordinator currently. What are the other arts? So we have uh, visual arts, we have dance, we have vocal music, and we have instrumental music and theater. So all, uh, all five are represented in schools all across LA. Uh, we're working very hard to make sure we're servicing every school. So it's a big job, but we, t we love it because we want to make sure that students have access to, to arts. It's very important for their education to make them well-rounded human beings. <laughs> And you work specifically with the theater arts teachers, the 50 of them. Yes. And can you give us a little behind the scenes look at the calculus that takes place when you decide how, what school a teacher will go to and how much a school uh, gets of a teacher time? Is there a chance that uh, a school might get no theater arts teacher or... There uh, is. It's a, it's a delicate balance between um, fiscal, which I am not familiar enough with to be very accurate. I just know that based on the numbers that a school has is how fiscal then determines how many semesters each school gets. Right. So technically they have a, a opportunity to have four semesters in a year or more. Um, and what happens is then the principal has the opportunity to say, hey, I would really like to, I have three semesters, let's say. Um, I would really love two semesters, a full year of theater, and I would really like a dance teacher for one of those semesters. And once we get that information, we do our very best to accommodate that because it, there's a fine balance between uh, what teachers we have available, where the schools are, because again, we're servicing all of LA. So, you know, we, how many teachers live in the Valley? How many teachers do we have that live on the West side? And, you know, we, we try not to make people that live on the West side, you know, tr travel to North, the North Valley area. Like, so it's a, it's a delicate balance um, in trying to make sure that we make all of those connections happen. So it's a big, it's a, when we're doing schedules, it's a big ordeal. <laughs> There's a lot of coffee <laughs> needed. <laughs> and I think something you just said, uh, I didn't realize. It's, so it sounds like uh, the fiscal people figure out how much, as you said, uh, how much art a school gets. And they give that information to the principal. And then the principal uh, makes the request to the arts branch of what, uh, how they would like that time uh, allotted. Is, is that sound right or can you? Uh, it is It is pretty accurate. Some, some are happy with what they have so they don't make a request and we try to keep what they have. Um, but yes, they, they have the ability to make requests. And again, it's not a guarantee, you know, but we do our very best to make sure that those, those matches happen. And it also sounds besides working with the teachers, it sounds like you must then also coordinate with the other arts. Does each art uh, have its own coordinator similar to yourself? Correct. So there are eight of us. Uh, so there are two in each discipline. I represent um, 
the elementary component, John Trey Christian, who is my partner, uh, she represents the secondary, but we support each other in all endeavors. And the same thing happens with all the other art forms. We have an elementary person and then we have a secondary person. So we also create all the PD for all of our people. We do all of their scheduling. Um, and on top of that, we have multiple outside um, partnerships with arts partners that we do throughout the year. Uh, so let's follow up on uh, a couple of those issues you just brought up. Uh, professional development. Uh, what is, uh, can you give us an example of what does that consist of for itinerant uh, teachers in the arts? Well, itinerant teachers are required to get all of the same trainings that uh, classroom teachers do in regards to um, mandated things from the district. So we, we handle those. And then, of course, we need to be specific about our art forms. So we're doing stuff in regards to um, improvisation or learning new techniques in pantomime or how best to uh, make certain activities work with our special needs population. Um, and now we're in this new world of virtual. So it has been a wild summer. Um, our team has, uh, if you go to the arts education branch website, you'll see that total we've created at least 125 uh, lessons online in each uh, discipline to help classroom teachers uh, be able to support their students in the arts. So we've been working very well, very hard on really being on point with technology. All of us did FRC meaning all of the, the leads. We were also um, <laughs> uh, facilitators, so we were doing double duty, you know, really learning this plat these new platforms to be able to serve our teachers. Because the thing about being artists is we're very creative, but, and on the fly, literally improvisation, we can do in any discipline, we can make things work. Because again, we don't have our own classrooms and stuff happens to us all the time. You need to go into this room. Oh, there's a, an assembly. Oh, we've got, you know, so we're always like, okay, what do you want us to do? We, we're we're going to work it out. But in this new environment, it's very challenging because I think for all teachers, but specifically for the arts teachers, is that the technology gets in their way of being creative. So my goal as a supervisor, supervisor has really been to focus on the technology so that they really understand it. So it's not an obstacle, but actually a tool. Cause then their creative minds can go, Ooh, I really can use Unhangout to do this, but then we should do this in zoom cause we can do. So it's really giving them the tools to be able to be as creative as possible so they can uh, bring the best instruction to students. So that's really been our focus. Um, yeah, it, it's been a <laughs> it's been an adventure for ourselves because again, we're all learning all of this at the same time. So trying to stay a couple steps ahead of our teachers is what we're trying to do. Well, and as you speak about it, I really hear your passion around what you're working with teachers on. Can you talk a little bit about why you think? Uh, the arts, and in particular, uh, theater arts, uh, is important for kids. Wow, that's a conversation and a half. Well, I guess my, my biggest point, and I used to say that when I was in the classroom, um, is imagination is the most important thing that you have, period. End of discussion. I don't care where you came from. I don't care. All of that is irrelevant because it is our imagination that creates pretty much everything that you're looking at. And I usually would say to kids, hey, look around. You see that? You see that? That came from somebody's imagination. They had to manifest that. 
And so as much as reading and writing and, and math and all of that, that's, there's no if, ands, or buts, vitally important. But it is the change, the people who are change agents are the people who are thinking outside the box in whatever career they are in. The best lawyers are thinking outside the box. The best doctors are coming up with the best, you know, it's all, it's about innovation and arts support that at every turn, right? And so if I can get kids, I'm not, when I'm teaching, I'm not necessarily wanting you to be an actor, right? That, that's when you go to acting school. That's what I did. But what I'm trying to do is expose you to this idea of innovation and creating new things and stepping out of your comfort zone and being somebody else and trying something new. And a lot of times kids are afraid to do that. So we create safe spaces for kids to explore their feelings, their emotions, storytelling, other cultures, you know, because storytelling in itself is what brings us all together, right? Like stories across cultures, we, we get it, right? Same thing when we hear people's music, that's their story. That's their, right? So we're, we're literally giving our, our hearts to students when we're teaching the arts and we're, and we're allowing them to open their hearts and their minds when they are creating. And so it is vitally important that every student in LAUSD, and I mean every single one, gets this opportunity. And I can speak for myself. I'm not from California. I'm from New Jersey. And I didn't know at the time, of course, because I was a kid, uh, that I literally lived in the third best school district in New Jersey. But I actually went to private school. But when I got went to public school, I was actually behind in everything. I really mean everything. I got pulled out for reading, math, everything. But I also got pulled out for the arts because I was considered gifted in arts. So I got to do all the musicals and I got to do all of the drawing and anything that was arts, they were like, get her over here. Um, and that's what kept my self-esteem up and kept me feeling like I was like I was engaged in school, right? And of course, obviously I'm Dr. Raisa White. I have a PhD, I caught up, right? But it's because I had that, that I was good at something and we're missing that in so many kids. Like they just, we are math and Englishing them to death, which is, I get why, but we're missing those things. And the best part about my job when I was teaching was watching a teacher watch their students from a different perspective because all of a sudden that one child that's always quiet or, you know, may have some behavioral situations that happen often, you know, you give them a leadership position in the arts and all of a sudden you see them just blossoming and the teacher comes over to you and goes, Oh my goodness, Dr. White, do you see? I was like, so now you have some tricks in your pocket, right? Now you know how to reach them. Right? So I'm passionate from it from the perspective of I want to give it to to students, but I also love empowering teachers because a lot of teachers are also afraid of the arts. It wasn't something they did. Right. And we want to give them those tools as well to go, hey, this really is a value because we can bring history to life. Right. We can we can create the water cycle and do it in a theatrical way so that it brings experience to it. So that's really my passion of bringing that to LAUSD and as many teachers as possible uh, because you can change a life because you might come to a student like me who just, you know, just isn't cutting it in the other academic areas, but you give them that spark, that fire that they can do something else and they'll catch up. And I did, I mean, a student graduated with honors, you know, all of that is history because I knew that I had that. And I don't think a lot of 
teachers recognize because some people, ah, oh, well, because it's not your thing, but it doesn't mean it's not that child in the corner in the back on the side that is like dying to sing a song or move their body or play that instrument, even if it's just a recorder. You know what I mean? So, yes, the passion for me is to reach as many students as possible and teachers and change hearts and minds to get people to understand that arts are ridiculously important because it sparks that idea of creativity and innovation and it transfers to every other subject. And that's the goal. Well, your passion clearly comes through when you speak about it. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, that you have your PhD. Can you tell us a little bit about your dissertation? What was it on? What did you look at? Yes, I have a PhD in instructional leadership. Um, I love doing PD. And um, basically, I created something called Creative Experiential Professional Development with the idea that it's interesting in our society that we talk about differentiation for kids, right? Like we've got to have all these things happening and multiple um, ways of teaching. And then they hit 18 and go to college and all of a sudden you're supposed to be able to sit there and listen to a lecture for four hours or whatever it is and be able to synthesize information. And I just really disagree with that because I'm kinesthetic. A lot of times, like I can hear you and yes, and I need to write at the same time. And if you can tell me how, to, if I can do it with you, I'm going to get it because once I can do it, then I can teach it. And if you can teach it, you know the content. So for me, what I developed is a way of doing professional development so that you are doing the actual work your students would be doing, but I level it up to an adult level. So an example, something that I did with an adult or adult group would take like an hour, but that might be two or three days for for students and it would be the level would be not as as much it would not be as difficult um but the, the fundamental ideas are the same because what i want teachers to do is experience it because if they experience it then they start thinking oh wow these are some questions that my students would have when i'm doing this or i see the value so an example if we're acting out which i have done something like the uh, middle passage in slavery very different than reading about it, right? So if I have chain sounds and I have you, you know, what would you say if somebody's binding you or whatever the case may be? And they're like, oh my goodness, this is so emotional. I see and feel this. Then they go, oh, this is a value. Because, you know, as teachers, we get all kinds of, of information. It goes right here and it goes back in the pocket. And then we go back to our regular lives. My point is I want you to actually use what I'm giving you. So if I can get you to engage and really find it of value, you will then take that and go use it with your students. And I think that's, I've been really blessed because I have so many people come back and go, oh my goodness, right? So that, I really did that with my students. It was amazing. It was such an, we had such deep conversation and they really felt this, whatever it is they were teaching. Um, so that's kind of what I, again, I'm passionate about bringing, um, uh, my leadership style of bringing experience to, to PD as opposed to just sitting there listening to something going, uh-huh, that's good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which we've all done. Right. And we're like, when do we get out of here? I want it to be engaging and fun, just like what is happening in the classroom, because then you, 
understand the value of it. And then you'll do the the work because it takes a lot of work to get those things happening. Right. It's not just a worksheet. So, yeah, that's my thing. Well, and it sounds then that your current position allows you to uh, to use it as a vehicle for both marrying your past experience as well as your doctoral studies. Yes. I'm in the perfect job. <laughs> I really am grateful to be where I am. And I have an amazing team of 50 teachers who are on fire right now. Just amazing work that they've been doing. Like I said, uh, within three weeks, we created 72 lessons to offer to, to classroom teachers. It's on our website. So please feel free. Go look. Uh, we just finished helping the rest of the department with theirs. So there's at least 130 lessons free right there, ready to go for people to observe. Um, and again, that was there were some hurdles in that because we didn't have the uh, the knowledge. So I had to teach them how to create a movie. What would a script be? What would the shot list be? Um, how do you edit? How do you use iMovie? Like I, it's also something again because I'm a theater person. That's what I do. So um, we worked on that, and it was it's been amazing. So amazing team. Something you just mentioned also, uh, you say you're a theater person uh, and you mentioned being a substitute teacher and a teacher. Uh, what did you do before you came to the district? Um, I was a starving artist. I came to L.A. to be a star. <laughs> and so that's a long story. But basically what happened was I happened to be married and was about to have a baby and somebody was a friend of mine from a sister from a sorority was like, you really need insurance girls. <laughs> and then she was like, my boyfriend is a substitute teacher. That might be something you'd like to do. So I actually started at West Vernon elementary school as a, um, and they called me the pregnant sub. Um, and I loved it. And I was really good at it. I, you know, cause I, I put a lot of effort and um, I'm stern, but Everybody knows that I love you. I'm stern because I love you. I'm giving you boundaries and all of that. Um, and the principal loved me. And she was like, I think you should get your degree. And I just, I literally, that's exactly what I did. I wound up going to UCLA and I got um, my credential. Then I did my national board. Then I did my master's in uh, with an emphasis on social justice and my administrative credential. Um, and then I did my PhD in here we are, 20-something years later, 23, I think. So. You, you talked about uh, being the, uh, the starving artist. Uh, did you come out here from New Jersey uh, to uh, as a starving artist, or was there an in-between stop between New Jersey and California? No, I graduated, and literally, um, my school, Emerson College, had, had many options awesome opportunities for internships. So we have a castle in Holland. We had a site here in LA, which now they actually built a whole, a, a whole um, place on sunset now, but it, it, that wasn't here. We were at the Oakwoods. And unfortunately I wasn't, I couldn't afford to do that. So the next year after I graduated, I had a sister who was still a junior, which would then be a senior. So she was like, Raisa, this is what we're going to do. She's like, you still have all your Emerson ID. I'm going to have a room and you're going to stay with me. You're going to audition and I'll go to school and they'll never know anything. <laughs> and of course that didn't work <laughs> because as in any large organization, it took them too long and she found out she had a roommate, but I had already planned to move out here. So my mom and I drove across the country like Thelma and Louise 
And uh, but we didn't go over any cliffs because obviously I'm still here. Um, and I wound up getting an apartment and I've been here ever since. I thought I was going to go home because I was only going to be out here for like six months. And it's 20 some odd years later and two children later. But I'm still here. But yes, I was I came here to to. And I was in many things, not as a lead, but I was in things, but it, it didn't, you get, you, once you start having children, it can be very challenging to try to be an artist. So, but the t- my time is not over. So <laughs> we'll see what happens in the future. You still got on auditions? I don't have time, but you know, we still <laughs> sing. My thing about the arts branch that really frustrates me also is that we have this reputation, like, and you know, and maybe in the, in the right, in general ed we you hear that a lot but it really happens in the arts it's like those who can can those who do who can't teach and I'm like I would if I had a lot of money I would be like okay between the 250 40 something uh arts teachers we could have a full out musical backgrounds drops singers dancers and we would kill it because i work with some of the most talented people on the planet we just don't get to show what we do so it's always like well you and we do have people who have written books that are on doing other things but you can't really be a teacher and be on you know a tv show if you have to choose one or other we can do little things here and there but yes we have people that perform in bands or you know conduct orchestras i mean it's vast, but this is a very talented group of people. And I would love for us to be able to, to show so that way people can stop saying that to us. Cause it's, that's very frustrating. Cause I'm like, yeah, I can teach, but I, I'm an, I'm an actor and I'm a singer and I'm a dancer and I can do all of those things. <laughs> well, so yeah. So we may see uh, Dr. White uh, performing sometime in the future then it's not, uh, you haven't totally given up on that yet. Oh goodness. None of us have. It's just, Again, I have to raise some children in my house. I've got to pay the bills. And right now, I mean, thinking about it, it's like I'm very blessed to be in education because most of, if I were even a Broadway star, none of them are making any money at this very moment. They are all um, jobless. And I'm, I'm, you know, as artists, we're always thinking of them as well because we're like, oh my goodness, how are they making their money and taking care of their kids? So it, that's, a, that's a weight that we carry with us too. Well, that reminds me, so when you think about uh, artists uh, that uh, perform, such as in the theater or in other venues, uh, right now those venues are typically closed. The, the district, I presume, also has partners in the arts that uh, we work with, uh, but perhaps not right now. Can you talk to us a little bit about the partnerships the district has with uh, arts organizations? Well, the most disappointing one, and it's disappointing for me (laughs) that I was so looking forward to this past year, um, was we were working with Hamilton. So we were going to bring multiple groups of LAUSD students to at least, it was at least five or six days of matinees to see Hamilton. Um, We have worked with uh, Warner Brothers. We have worked with, uh, you know, there's the Fender program this summer that uh, Mr. Butner speaks of fondly was part arts branch because uh, Jantre, my partner, she was the principal of that school. So 
we're always reaching out with uh, other other arts partners. And then we have arts partners that work within our district um, who pair up with schools to do extra arts in, in schools as well. Dr. White, I've, uh, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I'm hoping you and every all of your listeners have a wonderful day. And remember, the people that work in Beaudry are working hard <laughs> to make sure that you and your schools have what you need to have a fabulous day and serve our student population. That was Dr. Raisa White, specialist in the arts branch of the Science Unified School District. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to learn more about education and educators serving students. Thank you. Good night.